0: Hi there, and welcome to Be a Global Citizen, the podcast that explores the concept of global citizenship through the lens of value-creating education. My name is Scott Bauer, and I'm a SOCA researcher and educator. I hope you find the discussions, stories, and insights on this podcast to be valuable and inspiring as we strive to become global citizens who are committed to living a contributive life. Today on the podcast, I spoke with David Burke about his thoughts on global citizenship. He is an experienced educator with teaching and administration experiences that span from Australia to Korea to Singapore. He has worked as an assistant principal, a dean of technology and innovation, and an events consultant. He is the founder of Ed Events and Consulting and is interested in building an online community of professionals who are committed to advancing education for social good. Let's get right into the conversation. Enjoy!
1: Hi, Scott. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm David Burke, the founder of Ed Events and Consulting, a company based in Singapore. And this is my first year not working in schools. Hi, Dave. Thank you so much for being on
0: the podcast. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. And, um, you know, you are you're you found yourself all over the world. Um, we've had a, a really lovely conversation not too long ago, where you were able to share more about that. And so I'm excited for you to um, you know, share, but through the lens of global citizenship, uh, I know that, you know, with all of your travels and kind of engaging with different cultures, you you must feel yourself to be a global citizen on some level, uh, as well as your um, experience being um, exposed to kind of curriculum, like the International Baccalaureate, which really speaks to many of the values of global citizenship. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just really happy that we can share this space and uh, also to have this opportunity to interview a fellow podcaster Uh, i think that's really really awesome to um yeah be able to to talk with someone who is doing very similar um work in terms of like getting uh, others like engaged in dialogue uh, on education in general as well as just kind of bringing together people from all around the world to form sense of community uh, and uh, purpose in networking to link everyone together. so um, so yeah, definitely we'll we'll talk more about that as well later on because um, I'm sure that really is tied to a lot of the work that you're doing with your company. Um, so yeah, just to kind of get things started um, to get to know you a little bit more, um, I'd love for you to share uh, about your professional background um, if it's possible to kind of maybe take us to when you first got, involved with education kind of where were you at in your life and then share uh, a couple of different milestones if you will um you know pivotal moments or you know kind of transitions that you found important to then get you to where we are at now right in this current moment
1: hmm. um yeah well, it's very interesting reflecting on um i guess my development as into a, a global citizen because i sort of started off with a very um very typical uh, australian teacher career i worked in a number of new south wales public schools um in regional and country towns around the region where i come from which is the illawarra which is south of sydney it's a beautiful coastal area with uh, the ocean on one side and the escarpment on the other um so you know that area wollongong Shellharbour, Kayama, and also the southern highlands was where i i both grew up and worked for many years so, you know, I was very proud of that you know, I had uh, 13 and a half years working in, in public schools, particularly as I was a, a product myself of public education, going right through um, you know, primary and secondary schools, in my local public schools. Um, and I think that sort of laid a foundation for a lot of my core beliefs and values on, firstly, the importance of quality education for all children, um, but also, you know, the the impact that that, Can have on society and uh, the equality that that can provide um and i guess too you know that does open pathways to make uh, good good citizens in society and then ultimately you know hopefully good global citizens so you know i started my career as a as a casual teacher um that's like a um, people might call that a substitute teacher um you know and that was very much like being thrown in the deep end of a swimming pool when you're learning to swim um, you know, it's difficult at the beginning, um, but uh, then it sort of became easier as I started to work in the same schools more regularly and became known to the students. Um, and around about sort of, I guess, uh, that time I was considering going and working overseas, I was thinking about going to um, the UK. And uh, but then I had an offer to uh, become a homeroom teacher. Um, and so that sort of set me. On the path to sort of staying, they're not going overseas. And I taught mainly grades three to six, or in Australia we would say years, years three to six, um, the upper primary, and um, was later an assistant principal in, in two different schools. Um, so I really enjoyed the responsibility of, of that leadership and and you know being able to lead the primary years of those schools that I worked in, um, you know taking on whole school leadership. uh, responsibilities um, regularly relieving during the principal's absence Um, you know so I was shaped I've got to say enormously by the you know collective expertise of 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 many um, experienced teachers I was lucky to work with a lot of experienced teachers because uh, in the Illawarra in particular it's a very sought after uh, place to be and so um, you know because the state statewide transfer system and the way things work, it's it's a place where people sort of move into. Um, so I was sort of lucky that I was able to sort of stay pretty close to to where I grew up, um, and you know it, that was a really important foundation for me to draw on uh, from those experienced colleagues uh, when I ventured overseas. Um, technology was also something I took an, an interest in early in my career, so. Um, in all of the schools I worked at in Australia, I was the what we call the computer coordinator. Um, and uh, basically, there's no it's it's just a title and and you get maybe a little budget and you just continue doing your your job as a teacher, and you also try and manage um, or liaise with the Department of Education around technology. Um, but um, I had the opportunity to later lead one to one programs in two of the schools where I was assistant principal, and you know that was, really exciting to be able to sort of initiate and um, lead that sort of big community project. Um, you know, and I, I, after a while, I'd taken long service leave. I, in fact, I did twice. I think it was uh, 2013 and 2015. Long trips off to Europe, had this hunger to, for, for more travel. And I'd only heard a little bit about international schools. And, and it's funny, by chance, I um, was was speaking with a real estate agent who had actually worked in international schools um, many years ago and him and both him and his wife they worked in the Middle East for something like 10 or 12 years and it was sort of through that discussion that really pushed me to actually properly uh, investigate um, working overseas and you know soon enough I uh, had the opportunity had an offer to go and work in Jeju in South Korea so I took three years leave without pay, which meant I had a right of return, which was like a nice safety net. Um, but, you know, um, I, I eventually, of course, decided not to go back and relinquish my position and stayed working overseas. I, I was able to specialize in technology. Um, so, you know, this was something exciting for me. It was like a a, a bit of a, a new chapter for my career to be able to to just focus on something that I was interested in. Um, worked in Jeju, Singapore, and um, and back to Korea in Seoul. Um, when I went to Seoul, I moved back into an official uh, senior leadership role as the Dean of Technology and Innovation. Um, but then, you know, right now, as I mentioned, I'm the founder of Ed Events and Consulting, um, and, you know, a company based in Singapore. But uh, I'm also working on a um, a project called the Ed Events Community. Um, yeah, so so it's been a, quite a journey to to this point.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for for sharing, Dave. And um, yeah, you have many years of experience, uh, not only in Australia, your um, you know home country, but also in um, South Korea, Singapore. Um, I know that you're current currently in Malaysia right now, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you're you're all over, you know, Southeast Asia, East Asia. Um which is which is wonderful. And um yeah, and I, I, I would love to hear more about um the kind of beginnings of your teaching career. I, I'm curious because you know, I, I find myself um, you know, still relatively early on in my career. And um I did not go into education. Um, you know, I, I never I didn't grow up wanting or dreaming to be a teacher. And you shared how um you started off as a casual teacher or a substitute mm-hmm. teacher and so um kind of uh what what initially kind of drew you to the profession or like when you were working um did you mm-hmm. what what did you particularly like about the school environment and what ultimately like led you to stay longer to then you know go yeah. on to like um, leadership positions? As assistant principal, and you know, then focusing on technology, uh, with your various roles as um, computer coordinators and also the dean of technology and innovation. So yeah, like kind of if you can go to that like kernel, that initial moments of uh, want why why continue mm-hmm. being a teacher? Because it's not the most, uh, <laughs> shall we say, sexy job when people think of like, <laughs> oh, there's so much headache and long hours and low pay.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I guess for me, like, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. There's, I said this recently to someone, there are two types of teachers. There are those that were born to be teachers, always wanted to be a teacher. And perhaps there are those that um, didn't realise they were born to be teachers, you know. <laughs> um, so I I was um, one of the latter, and I um, just wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, towards the end of high school, when you start talking to the careers uh, advisor, and you've got to start thinking about what you're going to do at uni. Um Yeah. I, I realized that I actually really enjoyed my time at primary school. Um Not to say I didn't do it in high school, but um, I, I really enjoyed primary school. I, I was very fortunate to have some really great teachers. Um And, you know, I was very passionate about, as I mentioned before, you know, the importance of public education and then how that can, shape a fair and just society so you know I felt like I had um the writing the the right reasons to go into teaching so I was sort of on that balance where I thought okay yeah I think I could be a um I think I'd, I'd enjoy being a primary school teacher um and so you know that that was what led me to to uh, pursue teaching and then um when I was um a, a casual teacher I wasn't really you know enjoying that that wasn't um, I didn't see that as, obviously, it's not a long-term uh, option, but it's very common for people uh, in Australia to start out like that, um, to, you know, you become a qualified teacher and you just go around to the local schools and um, put your name down and you get called up. Um, so, yeah, but uh, having that opportunity, the offer to to teach my own class was really um, very exciting. And uh, I'll never forget the first Um, first time it was a couple of days into the job when I went to collect my class little grade three class from uh, the library and um, I could see them all sitting there now the school I was at uh, Jamboree it's a beautiful um, sort of country town just outside of the urban area where I grew up Um, and um, this beautiful old building that was the original school building was converted into the library so very high ceilings um, you know, big big windows and there was sort of sunlight streaming in. And if you just imagine you know, a class of children all sitting there quite happily and quietly going about, you know, buzzing around the library. Um, and I looked at them and thought, my God, I'm responsible for these kids for the next, uh, you know, for the next year. Um, and that was sort of when it hit me like how important and, and how special, um, the, you know, the role of a, of, a, of a teacher is and um, and so, yeah, so that was kind of my pathway in the profession, I guess if that answers uh your question,
0: yeah, no, it definitely does. thank you. and um I also find myself in uh, a similar you know boat as as yourself, and that i I definitely kind of I unknowingly was called to the the profession um since. I think for me, my experience was um, I I decided to be a teacher just because I wanted to be in South America, Um, and there was an opportunity to teach at a school in Brazil. And um, I figured, oh, I can I can teach English, right? Uh, Should like you know what could go wrong, right? Like what it shouldn't be too difficult. Um, Little did I know that wow, I was very wrong. That it's quite difficult, and you know the beautiful picture that you just painted with light streaming through the windows and, you know, these really attentive and curious uh, young, young learners are just kind of, you know, your responsibility. And so um, there's there's so much that um, is going on within the classroom. It's so dynamic. And, you know, these are the future generations. So um, I, I see now why it's so important. Um, and I feel the calling very differently um, now that I've had a little bit more experience under my belt. So, um, yeah, thank you for sharing that and um you know, and now kind of like looking at some of your experiences going abroad um to Europe um and then to various different parts of Asia, I'm mm-hmm. curious to know like um what what kind of learnings have you had in those experiences, whether it's travel for fun or travel for work that you think um kind of make make one uh a little bit more attuned to like the happenings in in the world or how does that broaden someone's awareness, um,
1: as a global citizen per se? I think for me, the, the biggest, I guess, immediate thing about traveling, um, and traveling regularly was, was actually started to become, um, I guess, more reflective on, um, not just myself but also my my country so I even started to um realize i guess that there's no such thing as a, the best country in the world um and i think that's probably something that's very um particular with people from you know countries like australia and the u.s tend to people will just say with great confidence that uh they're from you know the great the greatest country on earth but um i think that was the, the biggest realization was the 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 fact that there isn't such a place, and that there are so many varied and interesting places, um, and just how much of our thinking is is just, I guess, cultural without any really, I guess, depth to that thinking. Um, so I, I think travel does open up uh, the possibility to really uh, properly connect and properly understand our place in the world, and perhaps you know have a have a wider world view that. perhaps wouldn't have if we didn't travel.
0: Yeah it definitely gives more reference points right so that it's not just you know always speaking about what is familiar what is right in front of you um, but to actually go to a very different place to be able to make those mental notes and comparisons and to expand upon your interests right Um, to understand that things can be done in different ways. Uh, I know that um, so much of The process of going to another country, especially the first time you go abroad, there's this sometimes painful moment of like when your bubble, like the the, the world that you understand suddenly pops and there's this uh, kind of desperation of like trying to, you know, hold on to what's most familiar um, or reaffirming certain aspects, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely had that the first time I went abroad, which was actually in uh, Buenos Aires in Argentina. I was nineteen mm. at the time. I just started uh, undergrad at my university. and um, and wow, that really, you know, shook things up, but um, I wouldn't have it any other way because from there, you know, we at the university that I, I went to school, um, it was very common, and it was actually required. Uh, to travel um, as part of a study abroad requirement. And um, we would talk about being bit by the travel bug <laughs> in the sense of like, yeah, your curiosity about the world, it just it gets stoked and then you want to just see everything. Um, of course, travel is a tremendous privilege. Not everyone can travel. It is quite expensive, especially now um, with uh, the post-pandemic. I feel like everything's gotten even more expensive um, but I think there's a lot to say in terms of like what you've shared about just um, having more reference points and just, yeah, like having, it's, it you even gain like a new language, I feel, in terms of like how you speak about these things. Um, so, yes, that's great. Uh, I feel that really ties into global citizenship. But, you know, we've been talking about this term global citizenship. Um, I. The next question that I wanted to ask you is, um, when was the first time you heard the term itself? Um, Can you recall a particular moment uh, or kind of where you were at in your life when this term kind of came across? Uh, It doesn't have to necessarily mean when it was like, wow, you know, like you were enthralled Mm by it and you just internalized it. But you know, even in just passing, is there anything that you can speak to uh, about hearing this, this term?
1: I think um well I can't exactly place when I first heard the term the term itself but I definitely recall um you know in in high school there was a huge focus on the, you know the concept of globalization and um you know a lot of talk and discussion analysis teachers uh, sort of asking us the question you know globalization is it just americanization you know and 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 is that a good thing and I actually reflect a little bit on that now because um, you know that I think is something we should consider particularly in international schools. Um, you know, I feel that like the those sort of discussions on globalization just sort of evolved or perhaps blurred into my broader awareness of the term global citizenship later on. you know, so it was sort of that was the beginning and and it sort of just uh, over time melded into a, a broader thinking around global citizenship um yeah so i i'd say that's probably somewhere but let's let's say it was uh in the sort of late 2000s maybe uh 2010s mm-hmm.
0: well and so you said that uh you've recently kind of re-engaged in the the reflection about globalization uh in context of maybe like international schools um could you share a little bit more about what were some of the things that that you were you know kind of alluding to when it came to like the intersections between these two different things
1: well i guess on the point of of globalization and how uh, or globalization versus americanization and how, how that would affect uh, societies um you know for for us in the 1990s in school when we were talking about it we were we were reflecting on it as something that we, that's a good thing that we need to be wary doesn't turn into an americanization um so globalization and and uh you know certainly for our for us as australia was good but the idea of americanization would be something that would erode our own identity our own culture now if if that's what we were thinking in the 1990s as um australian as australians who are you know pretty similar to americans if you extend that across to today, for students in international schools um, who come from much more um, varied backgrounds, I think that's something that we really need to be aware of and consider. And um, you know, we want we want um, global citizens who engage um, and and I guess on a, on an equal footing and share their worldview and their place in the world, and not just have a one one view sort of imposed on them yeah,
0: that's that's really really interesting and I, I feel that this kind of um you know le- very legitimate concern in terms of the Americanization versus globalization or just internationalization <laughs> in general no. um, i I I think I could see a little bit of that uh, even in Brazil uh, i I only worked at one private school um, but I would say, you know, in the six years that I spent in Brazil and learning about the the culture and society at large, there was always this uh, very, um, it was a very obvious. I feel this this almost like fetish that they had uh, with the United States, thinking that that place was paradise, everything works, and then in Brazil, nothing works, and it's it's not it's not good. It's just chaos and. And you know, very extreme in terms of like how they viewed it. And uh, I would just imagine that maybe in the case of international schools, with this sense of like prestige of maybe sending these kids to uh, the U.S. to study or or to Europe to study, um, that that would very much kind of fall into this Americanization or this stronger association um, that could be very damaging when it comes to the cult- the local culture because. When you know I would have a conversation on the street with a Brazilian, they would, I they would, you know, find out, oh, you're you're not from Brazil, and then I'd say, yes, I'm I'm from California, and then their initial reaction is, why why are you here in this this horrible country? Like mm-hmm. you could have been in paradise. Um, and then it doesn't take long though for me to share out, like, oh, I really like you know Brazilian culture, uh, this and this food. Um, love the language. The people are so warm. I've been to this and this and this place. And then they realize, oh, no, actually, Brazil is a very vibrant culture. And, and it's, you know, it's incredible in its own right. There's no one perfect or best country, like you said before. So I I, I really think that's an important reflection to have one that I haven't really had much because of, uh, yeah, just, you know, not being in at quite as many different international school settings as as you have. Yeah. So um. Yeah. I mean, it's. It, I think it's common. I, I've. I had this. Um. You know. Kind of similar conversations of um, people hearing about global citizenship, through the process of globalization. This larger, um, trend. Um. And so that trend is very much tied to technology, right? Which is something that you have had a great interest in for many many years. As kind of, um, in some ways a through line. <laughs> or a thread, mm-hmm. um, with a lot of your experiences from Australia all the way to, you know, at this moment, Malaysia, Singapore. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to hear um, what about technology particularly um, interests you? Um, what, what potential does technology have for, um, yeah, transforming education? Like kind of, could you share a little bit more like this maybe vision that you, you have and, and the current work that you're engaged with?
1: Well, I think that um, always for me, the, the excitement around technology is the ability to do things that, you know, students couldn't do without technology. And when we think about, you know, things like the uh, SAMR model, which, um, you know, talks about from, you know, the use of technology on a broad scale that can either uh, substitute, augment, uh, you know, or modify or redefine the use of technology. Um, that was always, I guess, the initial attraction. The engagement that it provides for students as well was was something. And But I think looking at um, the use of technology across all of these schools that I've worked in down the years, one thing that has never changed has been that the student's interest in, in, and engagement and desire to want to utilise technology. So, you know, I think that... Um, technology can certainly give students great voice. Technology is a great way to uh, I guess for students to express themselves to uh, to connect with others. So you know it's it's obviously a, a great tool to use in the classroom, but we also have to be very um, mindful of 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 how we of how we go about doing that. And I think a really good example now is the, discussions around the the use of ai in education it sort of exploded on the scene just in the last few months um and you know it's been really interesting just to watch now i'm not in schools at the moment and i gotta say it's kind of good to just be on the outside at the moment and, and and watching and listening to how people are going to handle this um you know, there, there is a great potential for its use, particularly in international schools and how that could be used to support students. So I guess for me, in my current role in um, in supporting schools or being, you know, external to schools, you know, technology, as we know, plays a really important part in, in connecting people. And I think coming out of the pandemic, um, you know, we people are going to, for a little while, want to withdraw from Participating in too much uh, online stuff because they certainly had uh, plenty of opportunities to do that. They had no choice. Um, so people are glad that they're able to go back to in-person events and, and those sort of things. But I do think there is a space that we'll um, settle on where we do have a lot more, I guess, you know, hybrid use of technology for professional learning. Um, also just the, the level of proficiency and comfort now that educators have, with basic things like what we're doing right now, um, I don't think there would be anybody in a school who couldn't be interviewed now. Now, if you went back before the pandemic, there might have been some people that were, you know, would have been hard to, uh, you know, to pin down for an interview on Zoom. Um, but that's not the case anymore. So I think this is going to be the space that I'm going to be interested in. The very short term is uh, how do we effectively uh, create. Um, effective communities for people to uh, interact with their with their colleagues. So very much focused in that area around uh, supporting teachers.
0: Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's a new frontier, that's for sure. Um, The technology side of um, how we use um, these kind of um, platforms, right, whether it be zoom or Google Meet, right? Skype, Um, it's, it's connecting us in ways that um, are just that yeah haven't been done quite on the same scale and uh, with the kind of um, well the the ease of connecting and uh, the stronger connections just in terms of the quality I think it really does give this semblance of like being um, there in real time having a conversation so it's it's you know never quite the same but it's so much better than not having it at all. Um, and so I think yes. leveraging that is really, really important. And um, I, I think, you know, the way you phrase the effective community is really great.
1: Yeah, I think that's sort of um, something which, you know, international schools are in some ways a little more isolated than perhaps schools in, you know, bigger systemic organizations. So certainly there is the potential for us now to really capitalize on on the creation of greater communities that schools can be involved in, which, which simply raises, um, you know, the standards for teachers as in um, through a richer source of information, a richer source of uh, collegial support and networking. Um, So, you know, I think it's just a very, very valuable thing. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes, I I think so too. And um, with your current uh, work with uh, building your 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 business, uh, this company of uh, ed 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 tech events, is that right? Or ed, ed events, events yeah. Ed events. Ed events okay. community, yep. Yes, for the ed events, the community. Um, would you consider that as a, a community of global citizens? And if so, like, how would you articulate, um, kind of what, maybe, qualifies one as a global
1: citizen? Mm. Well, I I think firstly, I think. All educators should consider themselves as global citizens. Um, you know, so my uh, project, uh, the Ed Events Community, uh, just ed.events is where you can find it. Um, little plug there. Um, I hope to be eventually a place where uh, people can, um, I guess, just connect and, um, and be able to sort of uh, leverage opportunities or, or be able to find opportunities more easily um that that would be either online or in person in any part of the world um you know so so thinking about uh global citizenship i guess you know as we say i'm, I'm fortunate that i've traveled the world and, and, and made many friends in different places as well different backgrounds and i guess you know global citizenship is about taking on a wider view of the world and knowing your place in it um and, and of course, you know, whether we're, we're teachers who work overseas who have the advantage of seeing much of it firsthand, um, that gives us a, a chance to reflect on a lot of that more specifically. Um, you know, I know that my, myself as a global citizen today, my self and identity, my interests, transcend what they were before I moved overseas. Um, and that, But that's not to say that people who live in one place can't take in a world view and see their place in it um but there certainly is a, a an advantage certainly for people like us who um have a, a more of a global experience um and i think for me i've been sort of continually evolving uh, my 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 view of myself as a global citizen you know for me Traveling to many different countries, there's the, the sort of day-to-day level, um, you know, the basic things that we we get we have to get right. So being aware and respecting court customs and social norms, um, you know, but to, but but also, I've become very aware of the the privilege that I have simply from my place of birth, and I don't mean that as a celebration, um, but but rather just sort of that awareness of that sort of unfair advantage. Um, that I've gained through just historical happenings. Um, you know, it is a really strange thing. I remember thinking one day how how odd it is that I'm in someone else's country speaking my language and I'm there because of that. You know, it's quite an odd thing when you analyse that that part of it. So it does help to build some empathy. Um, and I think that's very much an important aspect of global citizenship. Um, you know, that's we need to leave our cultural worldview aside or step back from it from time to time to be better able to connect and understand other people um, yeah so so i guess um you know to me international schools we need to ask you know are, are 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 those schools there serving a sort of broader american empire as we say you know that's the whole americanization globalization thing mm-hmm. um you know what's the purpose what purpose are we trying to achieve um, you know, are we there to just funnel students into U.S. universities? What is that for them in a local context? And I think, you know, IB schools do a, a good job in this regard um, in terms of, you know, focus on global citizenship with within a, a local context as well. For me, as well as an as an Australian, I sort of touched a little bit about on this, um, but I've realised living in Asia that the necessity of Australia accepting its place in Asia Um it's been talked about for a long time that Australia's place is in Asia. Um, there was talk about joining ASEAN at one point as well, which I think would be really important. Uh, the concept of Australia finding its security in Asia and not from Asia, I think was a, a quote from a, a former prime minister. Um, you know, and, and I think when we sort of remove just that sort of ingrained sort of historical cultural thinking and thinking more broadly, sort of more agnostically about perhaps what other countries are trying to achieve and what our local perspective is and how we can relate to each other, um, it sort of becomes pretty clear that Australia is still figuring out its place in our own neighborhood. You know, so that's something that I've sort of become very uh, focused on through um, you know, living overseas. Um, I think our identity as as global citizens relies on us having that broader understanding of of where we fit in the world. Um, and if I can go off on a little bit of a tangent, just while I'm on this, uh, I, I, I think living in Singapore sort of really reinforced that. Um, so while I was there, I, you know, I, I saw a country that uh, built itself purely on the foundation of globalization. You know, so it, it's it sort of stands above its its more resource rich neighbours in Indonesia and Malaysia because of uh, the foresight of its uh, first prime minister Lee Kuan Yew. Uh, who was, looking back now, we know, he was very much a global citizen. Um, you know, he was, uh, he was English educated. He uh, lived through the Japanese occupation, went to the UK after the war. Um, when he came back, became prime minister and so on. But, um, you know, he instituted policies that led to the country being plugged into the global economy, speaking English, but maintaining mother tongue. That was a really important thing that he he instituted. Um, you know, he himself, he didn't learn Mandarin until he was older. He was about sort of you know, probably my age. Um, uh, you know, so the entire focus on encouraging English speaking was to ensure the country could best fit into global business operations. You know, he wanted uh, Singaporean uh, businesses to think in English. He he, he said that, um, you know, he thought it would be the best way for them to compete, to problem solve, to think creatively. To simply match the Western democracies that were at the top, and he he brought in, uh, you know, that expertise, not not all that different to some international schools. He brought in that expertise with the purpose of raising local standards. You know, it wasn't let's bring in these people; they're better than us. It was no, let's bring in these people, and and learn from them so we can we can have that ability to to match what they're doing. Um, you know it was never at the expense of local culture and mother tongue languages he wanted to give them the best of both you know so dare i say singapore is similar to what a good international school should be um you know creating global citizens and understand the world they live in and the place that, and their place in it um and and like a good international school as well he didn't enforce an english only only policy <laughs> um which is you know I think uh, something for us to all think about. But, um, you know, I guess to me personally, uh, to get back on track, I think being a global citizen, very much knowing knowing the world and our our role in it, um, and if I can steal a line from famous Australian author Clive James, who once uh, talked about Europe, um, he, he said it's a state of mind. Europe is a state of mind. Well, I actually think that that applies as well to global citizenship. You know uh, global citizenship, it's a state of mind. And I think it's a state of mind that's always in flux, um, you know as as we uh, always trying to understand and participate in in our fast-changing world. So yeah, all of that is um, has certainly shaped my my view of what it is, and that's what, what global citizenship is to me.
0: Thank you so much. that That's a great answer. And I love that the the global politics teacher in me loves how you were able to really connect the local to the global, um, to understand, uh, you know, not, I mean, to, to, you know, give voice and really value the daily experiences and, you know, taking on responsibility as an individual in terms of that identity formation, that mindset as a global citizen, Um, you know, albeit like maybe through language to really, you know, confirm um, one's place and connection back to a culture. So there's a local, but then also like on the like kind of national level, uh, in terms of like one's country, um, that there are certain considerations to be had in terms of that, that their place within the larger international community. And um, yeah, ultimately with the global side of things, international to global, um, it's all interconnected, not just in terms of market economies, but also in terms of, um, you know, people moving from one country to the next sometimes uh, unwillingly in the form of a, you know, refugee crisis. And so how can we really see each other um, in more of the kind of good neighbor sense, where uh, you don't want them to kind of be left at the wayside, because um, who knows when a disaster strikes and and you are in need of help. Um, I think all of these different dynamics are really important and speaks to the perspective taking and the broadening of one's perspective that you were saying how, um, you know, is very crucial for global citizens. Um, and then, you know, finally, the example of uh, Singapore that you you were sharing about, I think is really poignant and um, helped to kind of bring all of that together into a really nice um, kind of case study itself. So thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, that was very fascinating. Um, and so, you know, we are Coming up to the time, uh, and uh, I only have one more question to ask you uh, before we wrap things up. And that question is uh, about a book or film recommendation. Um, Is there anything that you've read or watched recently that you think really ties into this conversation that we've been having about global citizenship?
1: yeah well to continue the singapore theme um uh, about a year or two ago i i read lee kuan yew's book from third world to first and i think that's a really interesting case study in um understanding you know taking on a broader global view um it really for me made me realize the importance and value of the the globally connected world and the, the benefits that it can bring but also challenged my thinking on some things and particularly like he he had some uh, criticism for australia um, and pointing it out saying that it was a country not achieving its potential that it was a place with a lot of smart people but who were tucked away in universities and that the society at large didn't necessarily um value education um and so you know that was that was really interesting to see i guess to 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 take that that view of australia and compare that with the development of singapore um, it's not to say that anywhere is better than anywhere else, but um, certainly having that sort of, like I say, that that ability to step back and and really understand uh, another another country, um, and and understand that culture and and sort of reflect on uh, our place in the world and how we relate to to them was was certainly really really fascinating.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for that uh, book recommendation from Third World to First is the title, right? Um, yes, so definitely. You know, for those listening, look out for that book. And uh, I, yeah, I, I think it's just important to um, find ways to engage with the kind of thought that challenges us to think differently, to kind of come to new um, understandings, uh, and you know, create new connections. And so, especially with this book, it sounds like you were able to really make a a, 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 prof- a more profound. Um, realization about the role of Australia and, you know, how education is so important, um, not just um, back at home, but how that kind of has ripple effects beyond uh, national borders. Um, And, you know, you are somewhat of a, you know, traveling nomad yourself, kind of going from country to country, um, yes, you 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 have your roots in um, Australia and, you know, to a certain degree, Korea, right? Because you've spent a number of years mm-hmm. living in Korea, working in Korea. So um, I would say that definitely counts as a sense of home. Um, but nonetheless, you know, you are not confined uh, to any one particular place. So definitely carrying this mindset with you will be vital and kind of creating new opportunities for a connection. Um, and I wish you all the best with this community that you are um, very diligently building, um, and I, uh, I definitely count myself as someone who wants to contribute uh, to helping with that community. And so, uh, you know, with the, the final minute or so of uh, this this episode, I wanted to give you the last few words, uh, perhaps uh, any additional thoughts about the topic, or you know, feel free to give yourself a plug when it comes to uh, the podcast yeah. that you, you host, um, you know, maybe you can share briefly what that's about um, and then just kind of, you know, we'll conclude things there.
1: Yeah. Um, well, Final thoughts. I think, um, I think one thing that we need to do, particularly for people in international schools is really ensure that just the whole concept of global citizenship doesn't sort of become the reserve of those who are in a position that are perhaps set apart from the rest. So, you know, I think it's um, important that we sort of proactively do our part to join with others in our local communities, not not just sort of pursue global issues without bringing those in our local communities with us. You know, whether it's, whether it's um, you know, actions on climate change or, you know, intercultural exchange celebrations, all of these things, these are things that we tend to do in schools we need to make sure we do beyond the school gates, um, you know, and and we need to try and relate to those around us. Um, so making sure that our schools are not just sort of gated communities, particularly yeah, international schools are not gated communities without a connection or relevance to the communities around them. So I think that's a really essential thing that um, we should do in international schools. Um, and just, yeah, finally, the, if people are interested in um, finding out more about the EdEvents community, it's very much in its infancy, um, but you can register, uh, now, uh, by going to, uh, www.ed.events and, uh, yeah, looking forward to, um, sort of having more announcements with that development soon. But Scott, thanks very much for having me on the program. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you so much, Dave, for joining me on the podcast. I really enjoyed hearing your story how um, you've really um, gained so many experiences from uh, not only your homeland uh, teaching for over 13 years in Australia but also the many many experiences that you've had uh, overseas in countries like Korea and Singapore and um, just how things unfolded before you in terms of your professional career to where you're at right now. And creating something brand new, something very exciting, and I think very much needed. Uh, this this community in the hybrid space, um, post pandemic, and really with this goal of providing more opportunities for um, individuals to to learn about um, and you know really be exposed to new ideas and teaching, uh, just networking in general. I think it's all very important. So I appreciate what you are um, putting out there and uh, wish you all the best. Um, Thank you so much and uh, look forward to having you on the podcast in the future. Thank you.